0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Murderino March. If you tuned into last week's episode, I covered the nonfiction book American Sherlock by Kate Winkler Dawson. But as I have mentioned in the past, every time I do a monthly theme, I am going to try my best to cover that theme in... All of its different iterations or from different angles so for this month being murderino march i am doing my best to do a mixture of nonfiction as well as fiction so the books that i'm reviewing this month are going to end up being 2 nonfiction books which one of them we covered last week and then two fiction books one of which we are talking about today and this fiction book is also going to be very different from the next fiction book that I do because this one is very very suspenseful. That might not come as much of a surprise since it is murdery no march obviously but I am being very conscientious of my choices and not trying to make the monthly theme very doom and gloom very violent or what have you that comes along with things like true crime. That is why last week's episode was also not a traditional true crime book, and it just talked about a really famous forensic scientist who really paved the way in forensic science in terms of police work and convictions and things like that. However, we are amping it up a little bit this week with this episode, because as you will have seen from the title, kind of gives away the vibe a little bit, which is In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. So the title alone is already very fitting in terms of this Murderino March theme, but the summary of the book also just further plunges it deeper into that genre. So let me just quickly read you guys the back of the book. So it reads, six friends, one college reunion, one unsolved murder. 10 years after graduation, Jessica Miller has planned her triumphant return to Southern elite Duquette University, down to the envious whispers that are sure to follow in her wake. Everyone is going to see the girl she wants them to see, confident, beautiful, indifferent Not the girl she was when she left campus, back when Heather Shelby's murder fractured everything, including the tight bond linking the six friends she'd been closest to since freshman year. But not everyone is ready to move on. Not everyone left Duquette 10 years ago, And not everyone let Heather's murder go unsolved. Someone is determined to trap the real killer, to make the guilty pay. When the six friends are reunited, they will be forced to confront what happened that night. And the year's worth of secrets, each of them would do anything to keep hidden. Told in racing dual timelines with a dark campus setting and a darker look at friendship, love, obsession, and ambition, In My Dreams I Hold a Knife is an addictive, propulsive read you won't be able to put down. And in terms of that last little bit at the end, I absolutely agree. So before I get into all of the positives and why I would agree with that assessment, I am going to kind of touch on a little bit how I found this book and kind of what my impressions were going into it. So if I remember correctly, I found this book while I was just browsing at the bookstore, except when it came time to read it. Since I bought it months and months and months ago, I could not for the life of me remember if I had picked this out from either the bargain bin at the bookstore where they had just, you know, all these books that aren't selling that are for like a dollar, two dollars, what have you, or if I had picked this up from like the middle of the store from the recommended section. And if you are somebody who buys books regularly, you will know that those are two extremes, essentially. So it seems pretty obvious, but either it's coming from the recommended section, right? So it's right in the middle of the bookstore. It's something that is usually a really incredible read. It's either recommended by people who work at the store, maybe it's an award winner, or it's like the newest book right now, maybe like a Sally Rooney book or something like that or it came from the bargain bin. And I think you guys can kind of infer the type of books that are usually in the bargain bin, even if you don't shop for books regularly and not to like talk shit about bargain bin books because sometimes you can find really good reads, but it's usually pretty rare because either there's a lot of other like bookworms and book shoppers who just get to these bargain bins first and maybe pick out anything that's good, that would be in there, or it's just always been filled with books that just don't sell that actually really aren't very good and they just have like 50 copies left over. So I am very hesitant to buy bargain bin books, not because I'm some sort of snob, but honestly, it's just pretty rare if you can find like a halfway decent book. So I was going into this book not remembering where I bought it from right I was like either I got this from the bargain bin or I got this from the recommended section and that is a wide wide gulf and so I really went into this like very hesitantly and maybe that's the best way to go into it though because I had no preconceived notions essentially so ultimately it worked out very well ultimately it was a really great read I am very very happy but I was a little bit hesitant at first and I think that's why when I first started the book, I wasn't immediately hooked, not from the first couple pages. And I was really afraid, based on the writing style, that this was going to be something like college level creative writing class kind of vibes. But obviously, that ended up not being the case, as I've said. And for me, the switch really flipped, and I got really, really hooked. Once you learn all of the background and the timeline flips to the past and then we get a little bit more of the history and the relationships and dynamics between some of the characters. And for me, the switch really flipped once the timeline went back in the past and then we got more personal histories with some of the characters and a little bit more insight into the different relationships and the different dynamics. Because As the book said, it is about this group of friends. It was seven group of friends. At present, it's actually six because one of the friends died while they were all in college. So it was previously seven, now six. And it's picking up 10 years later at this college reunion. So some of the things that this novel did very, very well was really building the suspense. Like I said, it doesn't really happen until... You start getting a little bit more information on the different friends and the different relationship dynamics because, you know, certain characters dated certain characters, certain characters had crushes on certain characters, there were friendships, there were, you know, some animosities underlying some of these friendships. So once we get a little bit more of that, that's really when the suspense starts to kick in. And the author Ashley Winstead also did a really great job with the dual timelines. It was kind of one of those things where I forgot I was even reading. I also found her to be what I would describe as a very astute writer. So there are some things that I didn't find completely realistic. And those are things that I'll touch on in a second. I'll get to the things that I maybe didn't love about this book. But in general, I did find her to be a very astute writer in terms of emotions, I think, in terms of thoughts and emotions and feelings and things like that. I found myself underlining quite a few quotes and passages in the book. I also really like that all of the characters are morally gray, if you will. None of the characters are black and white in terms of good or bad. So that keeps them from being just these stock characters and keeps them very realistic. That being said, the protagonist, Jessica, um, which the story is actually told predominantly from Jessica's perspective. We do get a couple chapters from other characters perspectives later, which is very interesting and does add another like little layer to this onion, but it is predominantly told from Jessica's POV and Uh, Jessica is pretty unhinged. (laughs) I, I don't hate it because actually a lot of the books I've been reading have like really unhinged female protagonists, but just as a little bit of a forewarning, like she does have major issues for sure. That being said, we do learn enough about her personal history to understand why that is the case, but just making a note of it. And something that I love from And something else that I love from a really good suspenseful thriller is the fact that you never know who it could be. You don't know who the killer is, right? And so it just keeps you questioning throughout the entire novel. It is never predictable. And I would say the author really did a fantastic job of the reader not being able to determine who the killer is amongst this group of friends. Like there is equal doubt cast on all of them and then equal exoneration of that doubt, if you will. So in that sense, and also just because of it taking place like at this college reunion, it kind of has that Agatha Christie closed door vibe to it. Like obviously they're not all necessarily locked in a physical location, but it does give that vibe or impression or just overall feeling. It's kind of like that clue board game effect, right? Like Colonel Mustard in the living room with the lead pipe. So while that isn't exactly the case, it just gives that very similar vibe. But instead, it is taking place at this Ivy League university in North Carolina, which I guess kind of leads me to something else that I just didn't love about this book and didn't really find incredibly realistic, which was the college dynamics so this could just be based on my own personal experience because i did not go to an ivy league school so if you did feel free to write me in the dms and correct me if this was your experience but the way that ashley winstead wrote about the university life both in present day at the reunion and in the past didn't seem realistic to me and let me explain so Some of the things were that I understand it's this elite Ivy League university and it's relatively small. It's a private school. It's giving very gothic vibes, like a lot of old castle looking buildings covered in ivy, but it felt way too small and intimate the way that she's describing it. So just the fact that they're having this 10 year college reunion. So Again, this might be because I went to a state school, a very big state school, that that just seems wildly unrealistic because it's actually being hosted by the school, I believe. It's not like a private or smaller group or something that's departmentally focused. It's like the entire school. So that is the first thing that seemed unrealistic to me, but I'm absolutely ready to be corrected. So I might be totally off base with that. But it's also just their dynamics while they're in college. So some of the things were also that it just felt like a very immature uh, slash high school type description. So I understand that 18 to 22 year olds are still children essentially, and are very immature, but they were doing things like passing notes in class. Like again, maybe because I went to a state school, but even by the time You know, I was a senior and you're in these really small classes that are very like hyper focused on your degree or even your specialization in your degree. And you're only in a classroom of like, you know, 10 people. We still weren't passing notes. Like that's a very, very high school thing, if anything, very middle school thing. So mm, I don't know, but I'm not going to get too hung up on stuff that small. It's just little things I kind of noticed. One of the other things, which I don't know if it's either very unrealistic or very realistic. I honestly can't decide. I'm really sitting on the fence with this one. So if you have an opinion, feel free to weigh in. But it's the obsession or importance of Greek life on this campus. So the state school that I went to was very big on Greek life. It was an absolute status symbol. Like if you were in the Tri-Delt sorority when I was in college, which is unfortunately a really long time ago, you were paying like $10,000 a semester just to be in the sorority. And if we're talking prices in 2023 with inflation, I honestly cannot imagine what that fee is. And then you throw in inflation on top of that. And the competition to get into these sororities was so cutthroat. Same thing with fraternities. And the thing is, I could talk about my own personal opinion on Greek life, but I actually know a lot of people in my personal life who are a part of it. I don't want to talk too much shit about it. But my point being is that I came from a university where Greek life was such a big deal. Honestly, an upsettingly big deal, like to the point where it really is this like cult mentality So that is part of the reason that this obsession with Greek life in this novel is incredibly believable. It really is this sort of culty mindset. They just do so many fucked up things in terms of just the obsession with being in it and just the way that they really foster that mindset and the sort of groupthink that kind of plays into it. But I also felt like the novel might have taken it to a little bit of another degree just because... There was the scene, for example, where in one of the fraternities, they do find out that one of the brothers is gay. And one of the other brothers is seen, like, scratching out his photo with, like, Sharpies, like, drawing this, like, giant black X across it. And he's just, like, saying how he, you know, doesn't belong in the fraternity and he's a liar and, like, all this stuff. And... Maybe it's just a product of my generation. But as I said, it has been a long time since I've been at college. And even then, I would find that to be very unbelievable. But I've obviously never been a part of a fraternity. I've also never was in a sorority, if that wasn't clear. (laughs) So maybe I'm also wrong about that. Again, feel free to DM me and write me, but there were just certain things where I couldn't decide if she's either 100% correct about the obsession with Greek life or if it's kind of escalated. But then you could also say, look, it's a fictional book. Like maybe it's not meant to be 100% exactly realistic. It is maybe just kind of adding to this suspense and the thriller element. So I don't know. Again, just sharing like certain thoughts and opinions that I had. But because I touched on a negative, I can flip it back to a positive. One of the things that I really loved that Ashley Winstead did was she really nailed, in my opinion, the dynamics of a friend group. So if you've ever been a part of a friend group of like, you know, seven, eight people, there are certain unspoken maybe hierarchies. I don't know if I would go so far as to say hierarchies, but there are definitely unspoken dynamics. Maybe somebody who's more of the leader, others who are more of the followers. There's certain tensions maybe between two people in the friend group. If you have never experienced that, congratulations. You are in a friend group that is mentally and emotionally well. Um, I'm not familiar with that, but I'm really happy for you. But the thing is, that is a part of every friend group. So if you haven't experienced that, I just have to assume that, You guys are a group of robots because even in the healthiest friendship group, that does exist to a certain degree. Let's be so for real. And oftentimes that really does influence, you know, certain behaviors and things like that. So Ashley Winstead really did a great job of making that incredibly realistic, in my opinion. She also did a really great job of overall just fitting all of these small puzzle pieces together. So this book is not just a straightforward suspense novel in terms of, you know, pointing the finger at everybody and who is it. it. I mean, it kind of is that, but there's also so many puzzle pieces that we get into. So the way that the book works is, like we said, we're at this reunion and then you're getting these flashbacks to this dual timeline of when they were all at college. So you're getting these Memories and things that occurred. But what's also going on at the same time is the reason why we're having those flashbacks is because suspicion ends up being cast on one particular character in that moment. So they think, you know, is it... Like, I'm going to do this out of order, but is it Jessica, right? And then you kind of go back in time and you learn another section of this history or part of their time at college. And what comes with that is all of these little puzzle pieces in the timeline of their friend's murder, okay? And then we're back to present day, we're back at the reunion, you know, suspicion gets cast on another character like Cooper, for example. And then we go back to the past and we learn even more from, you know, Cooper's side of things and we get more little puzzle pieces of this timeline because we're trying to figure out, you know, who killed their friend and how did it occur and what exactly went down that night. So Ashley Winstead did a really great job of, You know, not only splitting up all of these little puzzle pieces, but then bringing them all together and really weaving them in so they're all connected in a really smooth and fluid way. And then the icing on the cake is that it was all really easy to follow, which is kind of the most important element to doing all of that. Plus, it is all fitted into a really short page count overall and really short chapters, which I personally love and so one I find it really impressive when authors are able to write something, you know, very suspenseful or or really elicit any sort of reaction from you, whatever their emotion is that they're trying to elicit, is if they're able to do that in such a short page count, plus the story feels either very rich or very full or very complex in that short amount of pages. And secondly, I also really love when there are really short chapters. I don't know why. I think it just I think it's a mental thing, like a placebo effect, that it feels like I'm going through the book much faster rather than these really, really long, drawn-out chapters, but that is very much a me thing. But something that is not a me thing, that is an everyone thing, is the plot twists. So Ashley Winstead did an incredible job, which I'm sure you saw coming based on everything I've said so far. But the reason she did such an incredible job is because, kind of like I said, is you know, the finger is being pointed at all of the different friends in this group, you know, wondering who is the murderer. And like I mentioned, equal suspicion is cast on everybody, but then there's also a sort of equal exoneration. So you really, for the life of you, cannot figure out who it is. But then once it's revealed who it is and how it happened, you're obviously incredibly shocked. You don't see it coming. Yet in hindsight, there were some breadcrumbs that led up to this and then she goes a step further and if you don't want to hear this go ahead and skip ahead but something that Ashley Winstead does is then at the very very end she gives you one last plot twist and it was such a twist that I shit you not my hand like flew to my mouth in shock and I was like no fucking way it doesn't totally change the outcome of the book but it was just such a good added detail that I never saw coming, could never have seen coming. And personally, I just love little twists like that. All of that being said, something I do want to add is if you are interested in reading this book, because I really hyped it up, is that the violence is pretty difficult to read. I think that's, you know, kind of to be expected from a book like this. You know, it's a friend group and one of their friends was murdered. And who was the murderer? You know, the theme is Murderino March. Like, you know, I'm sure that's not a surprise to a lot of you guys, but I do just want to kind of add it in there that it was pretty gruesome. It was pretty difficult to read, um, you know, for whatever that's worth. Oh, also, if you do read this, I personally pictured the character of Cooper as the actor Jeremy Allen White, and specifically Jeremy Allen White in The Bear. You cannot read this book and tell me differently. Like that is literally that character. So love that. And in terms of who I think this book would be good for, if you're still kind of on the fence about it, I personally think this book is actually a lot like the book If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio and like add in, or basically just take out the Shakespeare and add in Greek life, essentially. (laughs) I think that's a pretty excellent comparison. It also kind of reminded me of Lucy Foley's books, um, The Guest List and The Hunting Party. So if you've read those and you like those, you will also like this. And it also reminded me of the book Sharp Objects, as well as the movie, I think I Know What You Did Last Summer. I've never seen I Know What You Did Last Summer. I only know the premise for the book and it seems kind of similar but again, I've never seen the movie. So (laughs) take that with a massive grain of salt. So yeah. So if you're a fan of these really intense, you know, suspenseful thriller novels, if you're a fan of If We Were Villains, then you will absolutely enjoy this book. I think I would give it four out of five stars, maybe four and a half, but I'm also a big fan of thriller and suspense. So I might be bumping it up a little bit, but point is it is very good, very entertaining Twists that you won't see coming, enjoyable character dynamics that are, you know, realistic, but it's also set in this very, I don't know, enjoyable setting, just because it's this beautiful fictional, but North Carolina campus with these gothic buildings. Love that. So if this even remotely sounds like something you are interested in, I would urge you to give it a read. And I think on that note, I'm going to bring this episode to a close. But be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode, because like I said, I am mixing up the fiction and nonfiction. So next week's episode is going to be another nonfiction book. So if you can't really handle any of the violence and the gore and the whatnot that comes with the Murderino March theme, then be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode. That is probably much more up your alley. And in the meantime, you can rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts that is genuinely the biggest way to support what I do and this podcast. It would mean so, so much to me. You can also follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books, as well as TikTok at Brutally Honest Books. And with that, I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. If you like this show, you can rate and review on iTunes, and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books.